0: Well good morning all, good to see you, my name's Chris and it's so good to see so many of us here to celebrate this awesome uh, moment in the life of our church, it's always encouraging uh, to hear God at work in people's lives but as we come to God's word now let me lead us in prayer, let's pray together. (coughs) Heavenly Father, you are a good God who gives good gifts to your people. Father, your word is a gift to us where you show us who you are and what you're like and what you've done to us, for us. We pray now as we come to your word that we'll be um, nourished and sustained by it. Lord, be with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs> Some people are really easy to love. Usually it's people who are something like us people who might be related to us, who uh, think like us, people with similar values and similar experiences, who look something like us usually and are at a similar stage of life. Those people are easy to love. But those who aren't like us, not so much. It can be really hard to love people who you don't have much in common with. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but the church is a community of people who are not like you. Of course, there's pockets of commonality, but as you look around the whole church today, we're a pretty motley crowd. We're all different ages, we've got different income levels and different education levels, we're from different countries. We, we speak different languages. We have different political affiliations. Some of us are married. Some of us are single. Some of us are widowed or widow, widowers. There's a lot going on in here. There's a lot of differences, which can make it hard to love each other. But as Christians, that's exactly what we're called to do. Love each other despite our differences. That's one of the things that makes the church unique. Well, Jesus knows loving each other is hard, so he's given us this gift to help us, to unite us and bring us together as one. He's given us the Lord's Supper to nourish and sustain our faith and love, even despite our differences. A bit like our Christmas family dinner, The Lord's Supper is a meal hosted by Jesus where we can come together and reconnect with him and with each other. And we're going to do that as a church family this morning. And it's going to be especially special because we get to celebrate it with these five professors who are doing it for the first time. It's an opportunity for us to express and experience the love for one another that we share despite our differences, because Jesus loves us. Now, over the course of this year, our big focus as a church has been making the most of every opportunity in lots and lots and lots of circumstances. And one of those contexts we've been trying to make the most of throughout the year has been the Lord's Supper. So we've spent a fair bit of time really digging into into the Lord's Supper and what it means and what it's all about and the opportunities it affords us. Alongside that big focus for the last couple of months, we've been working through the book of 1 Corinthians and we've been thinking about how the gospel drives us to love this church, this gathering of believers. Today we're going to try and tie those two threads together a little bit and think about how the Lord's Supper gives us the opportunity To love this church. So how does the Lord's Supper do that? The first thing we're going to look at in 1 Corinthians 11 in verses 17 to 22 is that the Lord's Supper unites us, or at least it should. In the Corinthian church, the church to whom this letter was written, it was unfortunately having the opposite effect. It was exacerbating divisions. The rich were feasting and getting drunk, whilst the poor were going home hungry. This divide, this this difference between two classes of people in society, rich and poor, was being highlighted as the church ate together. And Paul says, it shouldn't be that way. In verse 17, he says, "...in the following directives I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good." And then he says in verse 21, For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private supper. As a result, one person remains hungry, another gets gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. As sad as the situation is... It's actually really helpful for us to see because it's so relatable. Remember, these people are all part of the same church. They know each other. It's not people out there versus people in here. It's within the church. Love for others who are not like us is hard even within the church. Now, I don't know exactly what's going on in these rich people's heads in Corinth, but I suspect it's probably not malicious. I suspect it's just total insensitivity. These rich people are just oblivious to the fact that everyone's not like them. The privileges they enjoy, the struggles, they're not common to everyone. Now, I might be being a little bit generous with the Corinthian church, but what I do know is how easy it is to be insensitive and therefore unloving to people whose experience is different from mine. More than once in my life, I've been guilty of insensitivity to other people's needs and, and have said or done things that I shouldn't have, that were unloving. Not maliciously, but it's still unloving. There's a chance I might have even done that to some of you this year, either as I've stood up here or in personal conversations. And if that has occurred, can I ask for your forgiveness? That shouldn't be happening in the church which is exactly what Paul is saying here. Those divisions that exist in society should not be reflected in here. This is a new society, a new family, where those divisions are broken down and replaced by love for one another, despite our differences. The Lord's Supper is a place where that truth is expressed and realised. The question, though, is how does the Lord's Supper break down those barriers that exist between us so that we can be a loving community, a community that loves one another? Read with me from verse 23. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. How does the Lord's Supper break down barriers so that we can be a loving community? It points us to the love of Jesus and what he did on the cross. And that's our second point today. The Lord's Supper points us to the self-sacrificial love of Jesus. Now there's a stark contrast going on here between the selfishness of Corinth and the self-sacrificial love of Jesus on the night he was betrayed. The Corinthians are concerned with feeding their face and looking after themselves. Jesus is concerned with everyone but himself. Jesus gave this meal to his followers on the night he was betrayed. And remember, Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed. He knew he was going to suffer and die. He knew he was going to be crucified. And he knew that his disciples were going to scatter when it took place. Yet on the night when any of us would have been most concerned about ourselves, Jesus was concerned about his disciples and how hard the following day was going to be on them. He gives them something physical, tangible, that they can see and taste and touch so that they can remember what his death is all about when those hard times come. And more than that, this isn't just a meal for the disciples who were there that day. Jesus knows the struggle all of us have to keep following him. So in love, Jesus gave this meal to all his followers to enjoy for their benefit until he comes again. This meal is given by Jesus for us for the Kingston Christian Reformed Church. Not just for us, but as much for us as for the disciples who were there the night he was betrayed. And look what this meal points us to. Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. They are sweet words. Jesus gave his body For us, because our sin deserves death, Jesus gave his body over to death for us, for you and for me, because he loves us. What a humbling truth. As I eat that bread, I'm reminded that my sin cost Jesus his life. And that's true for every one of us who eats that bread. Our sin took Jesus to the cross. That's what eating the bread says. But Jesus did it so we could be forgiven by God, so that we could have a new loving relationship with God. This is the new covenant in my blood, Jesus says. God promised in the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah and in other places, a new relationship with him, with his people, where sin and wrongdoing didn't stand between us anymore because God would deal with it. He'd forgive it. Jesus died so that promise might be realized by us. Our sins are forgiven because the Son of God gave his life for us. It's because of that, that every barrier, every division that could possibly come between us is broken down. Every division that separates people in our society today falls apart at the cross of Jesus. Whether you're rich or poor or Old or young, whether you're born here or someone else, whether you're smart or dumb, single or married, you could even be an Israeli or a Palestinian. If you believe in Jesus, the Son of God's body was broken. He died for your sins, He died for us. We all stand on level ground. We're all sinners for whom God's Son had to die. There's no division there. As humbling as that truth is, it's also extremely encouraging because it was love that drove Jesus to the cross. He chose to die for you because he loves you and didn't want you to perish. That's also true for every single person who eats that bread and drinks that juice of the Lord's Supper. Every single person you see today take that bread and drink that juice, Jesus loves so much that he died for them. That's what he's communicating to us as we eat that meal. He loves us so much. That he died for us. We're all sharing in the body and blood of Jesus together because we all need it and he loves us all. Jesus' love for us unites us both with him and with each other. He died to unite us. If that's true... It, put things in, it puts things in perspective, doesn't it? It's hard to feel anything but love or even indifference towards someone who Jesus, my Lord and Savior, loved so much that he willingly died for them as much as we're we're drawn to love Jesus as we remember what he did and why he did it, we're drawn to love one another as we remember that we're all sinners in desperate need of Jesus body and blood. Jesus loves all of these people, all of us here today. As much as he loves me and he wants us to be united. No divisions. He wants us to be one. That's why he died. Now, as good as that is, and as convicted as we might be that that's true, and as well as we might live that out on our best days, like today, this is a good day. It's easy to love one another when we're all celebrating on a day like today. We all know there's going to be times when it's not going to be like this. When we're going to fall short. Divisions do come up between us. We disagree. At times there's conflict, not often, but at times. We're going to be insensitive to people in our church family. At times, as sad as it is to say, we're going to be cold and unloving. But the third thing we see in this passage today is that the Lord's Supper gives us an opportunity to, To reset in verses 27 to 32. Paul says again, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. It's the manner in which we eat that Paul wants us to consider. The Lord's Supper is not about our worthiness individually. If it was, none of us would be eating, none of us are worthy, we're all sinners, that's the point. It's the manner which we take it that Paul's calling each of us to reflect on. So what does an unworthy manner look like? Well, clearly in the context it looks like the Corinthian church, a lack of concern and love for others in the church, which in turn reflects a coldness toward God. The point here, when we take the Lord's Supper, isn't to examine yourselves to try to find reasons why you shouldn't partake. The point is to take the opportunity to have a look at your heart and identify areas where you've grown cold. What individual sins am I making excuses for or ignoring? Forgetting that Jesus died for them. More specifically, though, in the context of loving this church, where have I grown cold or acted cold towards a brother or sister in Christ for whom Christ died? Paul says in verse 29 For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Paul is calling us as we take this meal to look around. To see Christ's body, the church, the people he died to make one. Look at those parts of the body and ask, am I doing anything to divide what Jesus died to bring together? Have I been loose with my words? Have I been cold? Have I been selfish? Jesus' body was broken so that this family could be united in love. Where do I need to confess? Where do I need to repent? Where do I need to turn back again to the body and blood of Jesus who died so that I might be forgiven and we might be one? Now, we've probably all been in situations in our lives where there's been some problem in a relationship, and we haven't addressed it. And we know it it festers, and as time passes, it gets harder and harder to address, and the chasm grows. The Lord's Supper is a regular opportunity for the church to stop, take stock, and reset. We repent, we ask forgiveness, and we forgive one another because we're forgiven by Jesus so that we can continue to enjoy This beautiful, loving community that Jesus died to create. The church, this church, really is a unique community. It's a community of people who, at best, probably wouldn't be friends in any other circumstance. We just wouldn't cross paths. And at worst, might even be enemies but we're united by the blood of Christ. Everyone who trusts Jesus as their Lord and Saviour belongs to this community. Everyone who eats Jesus' body and drinks Jesus' blood by faith belongs to this community. Whether you're rich or poor, whether you're old, elderly or a child, whether you've been a Christian for one day, or a 100 years, we're all in the same boat. If you belong to Jesus, you belong to this community. And this meal, this Lord's Supper, is a gift from Jesus for us to enjoy together. It's an opportunity for us to express and experience love for one another, despite our differences, Because Jesus loves us. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, it's stunning to know how well you know us. Father, you know our weaknesses and you know how hard it is for us to believe. So you've given us this meal so that we can see and touch and taste and help us understand what you have done for us. Lord, you really are a good God. As we eat in a few minutes, help us to reflect and appreciate and just experience that true joy that comes from knowing that Jesus died for us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. In preparation for the Lord's Supper, we're going to sing and confess that we haven't earned our place at this table. The only reason any of us can come is not us, but Christ in us. So let's stand and sing together.